This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. Sleep badly. Any questions? Hesitate to call. It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and this film is lit. Hello, and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We uh, know guess who this week, for reasons that I'll explain later, but we have every other segment quite a bit to talk about this is a switch episode i read bodies are where you find them and then we both watched kiss kiss bang bang if you have not done that recently we're going to give you a brief summary of just the film in let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up okay this is uh sourced from wikipedia there are as per the usual a few things that i am not sure the the wikipedia author got correct exactly right yeah (laughs) it's so interesting harry lockhart unintentionally wins a screen test in new york city by showing remorse in an audition over a botched burglary he committed which casting director dabney shaw mistakes for method acting he is sent to los angeles for a further screen test at a party there Harry meets his childhood crush Harmony Lane and Gay Perry Van Shrike, a private investigator hired to give him on-the-job tutelage for his screen test. Party host Harlan Dexter, a retired actor, has recently resolved a feud over his wife's inheritance with his estranged daughter Veronica. During a stakeout at Big Bear Lake Cabin, Perry and Harry see a car being dumped in the lake. Noticing a female body in the trunk, Perry shoots the lock in a rescue attempt, but accidentally hits the corpse. They decide against reporting it, as it will appear he killed her. Believing Harry is a private investigator, Harmony tells him of her sister, Jenna, who supposedly killed herself. He finds the lake corpse, identified as Veronica, in his bathroom and dumps it with Perry, but soon discovers Jenna used Harmony's credit card to hire Perry. Harry goes to see Harmony, who accidentally cuts his finger off when she slams the door after finding out he lied about being a private investigator. At a party where Harmony is working, Mr. Frying Pan and Mr. Fire, the two men from the lake, beat Harry to cease his investigation. Harmony and Harry follow them to Perry's latest stakeout. She goes to warn Perry, leaving Harry sleeping in the car, ending in Mr. Frying Pan being killed by an armed food cart operator. A pink-haired girl, affiliated with Mr. Frying Pan and Mr. Fire, steals Harmony's car and unwittingly drives an unconscious Harry to her home. Mr. Fire arrives and kills her, then Harry kills him. Harry meets Harmony at his hotel, where she reveals she told Jenna that Harlan was her real father to diminish the pain of their sexually abusive father. She also reveals that she slept with Harry's best friend in high school, so he throws her out. 
Hearing of Harmony's supposed disappearance, Harry and Perry investigate a mental hospital owned by Harlan. They discover Veronica was locked in there by him to be replaced by Pink Hair Girl to end the inheritance feud. Harry unintentionally kills a murderous or orderly, and then they are captured by Harlan. Harry contacts Harmony, who steals the van with Veronica's corpse. The men escape and are shot by the same bullet. Harry then manages to kill Harlan. In the hospital, the trio learn Jenna committed suicide after witnessing Harlan having sex with Veronica's replacement, believing her new father was also incestuous. Perry slaps Jenna's father, who is bedridden. In a closing address to the camera, Harry announces that he now works for Perry, while Perry implies that the two of them are also engaged. I, I don't line, remember that, that line, at all. I don't. <laughs> if that was implied at the end, I did not catch it. If it all implied, if it's implied, it's definitely implied jokingly. Like yes, he may make yeah. that as a joke. I yeah. don't even remember that. And which would... that is like the kind of joke <clears throat> that yes, character yeah. would make. But I don't remember that. At I don't all. <laughs> even remember it coming up as a joke. But yeah. maybe I just missed it. But because I have thoughts on those segments, anyways, which we'll get to. So. Katie has a, like I said, we don't have a guess who. Uh, again, I'll get into the reasons why uh, during Katie's questions here before too long. But Katie does have quite a few questions, so we'll get to those in Was That in the Book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? Oh, so the movie opens up with uh, a couple little kids putting on, like, a magic show for other people in their neighborhood. Yes. Um, so I was wondering if anything from that opening sequence with our, our little kid magic show was from the book. Yes. Uh, and initially we do not realize what this is. If you're watching this movie for the first time, <clears throat> you would not know what this is, uh, because, and, and the movie makes a point of that later as Harry who narrates the film says, Oh, sorry. I didn't explain that part in the beginning, blah, blah, blah. That is, uh, Harry's backstory, him as a child, him in harmony. Harmony was the girl in the box. Um, none of that entire backstory, none of that comes from the book. It's entirely a movie's uh, invention because the main character in the book is Mike Shane. As we've mentioned in the prequel, it's Mike Shane Mysteries. It's a whole series. He's the main character. Uh, and he is a private investigator. We don't, in this book, we get nothing of his backstory in mm -hmm. terms of like childhood or anything yeah. like that. Um, and it's very much, we'll get to this here again more. Uh, in the next question you have, but Harry is not really analogous with Mike Shane. Mm -hmm. We'll get again. We'll get to it in your next question, kind of a little bit more, I guess. But one of the other main characters in this movie uh, is Val Kilmer's character Perry, um, who is also sometimes referred to as Gay Perry. Yes, that's um, his nickname. Yeah, his nickname, Gay Perry. Um, and he is a, a gay man, and, and much is made of this yes. throughout the film. Yes. Um, so I was curious if there are any gay characters in this book. So uh, there are none that are mentioned from my memory. If they are, they're only in passing, like yeah. some like side character or something, maybe. But I, I don't even recall that. Um, and so kind of getting back to what I was saying, I, we really don't have a directly analogous character um, specifically to our lead in the book, who is Mike Shane, the private investigator. The kind of most similar counterparts we have is that the book kind of is a two-hander, sort of, where Mike Shane is a private investigator, and his friend who kind of helps him during this whole case uh, is named Tim Rourke, who is mm -hmm. a uh, reporter. Okay. Uh, and the two of them kind of 
most similarly coincide. Like they get into the same hijinks that are, you know, they, they, they are the two leads who are trying to like kind of work through this. this so it's murder a, mystery. Almost kind of a similar buddy ish. Kind setup. of. Yeah. It, it's mainly focused on Mike Shane and Tim Rourke kind of comes and goes, but he's there for most of it. Similar to how Perry kind of comes in and out of the story here and there uh, in the film. But again, it's kind of different because in the film, Perry is a private investigator and Harry is a former thief turned not even yeah, actor, actor at this point. Like, well, of. yeah, that is. we find out at the end that it was all a ruse anyways. And they weren't they just brought him in so that they could get Colin Farrell's uh, uh, to, they could pay Colin Farrell less by pretending they were going to hire some no name. So yeah. they, they could negotiate him down. Um, but yeah, it's there's not really again there's not really a direct analog i guess perry is closest to mike shane because he is a private investigator but their personalities are not really similar we'll talk more about that later um but neither of our main characters i mentioned be gay specifically uh, mike shane in the book is married to a woman mm-hmm. uh, is interested in women throughout the book as far as we can tell and tim rourke i don't think it's ever brought up i think he does mention being attracted to women but it's not really like it's not expounded important. upon it's yeah. not important yeah okay uh, I also, just to touch on that real quick, we mentioned in the prequel episode that this movie won, speaking of the gay characters, this movie won a GLAAD award, or mm-hmm. was nominated, sorry, it was nominated for, like, best film at the GLAAD awards the year this came out, um, and it's, uh, I, I did think it was interesting, and, and the main reason, I think it still works, is, you know, this movie has some definitely, and we'll get into some of it throughout, it's, it's, it's you know, it's got its problematic elements, it is yeah. a Shane Black film. Um, but it is the, the 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 depiction of gay Perry is not a one note stereotype of a gay man. Right. Which I think is one of the things that, you know, the the LGBTQ community was looking for breadcrumbs back then of like, and I yes. say back then it was 2005, but like looking for, you know, like, hey, look, we as a, there's a gay character in this movie who's not like the token stereotype gay character right yeah in the movie uh, yeah if you could think back to 2005 you know there are problematic elements with this yes. character in this film N- it, namely one being that I, I as far as i know val kilmer is straight yes. completely I, I could be wrong about that i don't yes. know for sure but um and so yeah but it is a departure from the the types of gay characters that were being depicted yes. on screen at this time. Yeah. You know, mostly like very effeminate. Very feminine kind of kind of side like yeah. characters who just are there to like be yeah. sassy. Basically. You know, think the original queer eye for the straight guy of yeah. uh, Will and Grace. That kind of that stuff. Kind of yeah. Thing. It was kind of in that that time period where that was most of the and I mean, not all. There's definitely there were examples of way better representation than this that existed. Um but it is, you know Again, it's at least something where you're not getting just the cookie cutter Hollywood's version of a yeah. gay character. So. so so this movie is kind of told in like a nonlinear. Yeah, kind of set up. It's, it's told from the because it's told from there's like a framing narrative of Harry recounting the events. Yes. Of last Christmas. Yeah. He says. So even though we kind of like after the opening part with them as kids we go to the party in la yeah and then we like do some flashing back to find out how he ended up at this party yeah um and so we find out that he was in new york and he and a friend were robbing a toy store yes and they set the alarm off on accident um and they had to run and the cops were chasing them and there was a, a woman who came out 
of her apartment onto a fire escape and it was shooting at them. Yes. Does a lady ever shoot at anyone from a fire escape <laughs> in this book? Because I feel like that's the kind of thing that could happen in like a hard boiled nineteen okay. fifties okay. detective. I could see that. Uh, no, uh, okay. nothing like that happens. Uh, specifically, not nothing like that scene happens because again, our our main character doesn't have, as far as I know, a thief any sort of backstory mm-hmm. where something like that would happen. Um, but then on top of that, just more generally, there is, there's no, there's actually a, a, a startling lack of gunfire in this book in general, not none, but it's not, not a lot, uh, less than I would have anticipated, I guess, but we, we'll get to that more later. So, but yeah, no, nobody, nobody shoots at anybody from a fire escape. Okay. All right. Um, so then back at this, uh, LA party, um, we, we see that Harmony is also there, which we don't really know anything about her yet. Yeah, we don't know who she is. Yet. Yeah, but she's also there, and she's looking around um, in another room at this party where there's nobody else, and then she lays down on the couch and goes Takes to a sleep. Nap, I guess. Maybe I, she was drunk. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but then another guy comes in and starts, like, feeling her up. Yeah. Um, and then Harry comes in yeah. and at least attempts to put a stop <laughs> to it. Yes. Um, yeah. Do any of the characters in this book ever stop a guy from assaulting a woman and then get beat up? No, no. This is definitely a better in the movie moment for me. I love, I love, I thought this scene is great. Mainly, I love the hard cut from, because Harry comes in and he's like, he's he's like talking a big game and yeah. pretending to be a badass. Yeah. He's like, you like, you, you and me, we can handle this outside. Like, whatever you, like, he's like really trying to like, you could tell Harry is the kind of guy who has gotten through and out of a lot of things in his life by talking yes, and by being a a guy who can talk well and can kind of sell some bullshit or whatever. So he is attempting that in this situation, but I I love that, you know, but we don't really know that about him at this point yet. Like we, we may, he may be able to back it up. We don't know Mm -hmm. because this is like kind of a very early in our introduction to Harry. But yeah, he's he's talking all this game, and then it just hard cuts to him getting his head slammed against the ground outside, <laughs> which is very funny, uh, and not in the book at all. Um, there is a kind of similar moment uh, that I'll ha- I have a note about later and better in the book um, that kind of parallels it in the in in the sense that our our main character gets the shit kicked out of him <laughs> uh, in an interesting way, but it is not not really similar apart from them getting beaten beaten Mm-mm. up. So okay. Uh, so then, but we we catch up with Harmony later. He goes um, and finds her at a bar, mm-hmm. and um, she corrects his grammar, uh, which yes. becomes like a recurring joke. Yes, and then we realize that she is uh, someone he was friends with in the past because she like, recognized him, but he yeah. didn't recognize her. And she's like, "Harry, you idiot, get over here!" And he's like, "Oh my god, yeah, yeah, um, so, yeah." So they were like good friends in high school. Um, so and since childhood, because again, she was the yes. little girl in yeah, the yeah, yeah, magic yeah. act at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so uh, I assume there's a leading lady of some sort in this book because there, you, I feel like there usually is in this type yeah, of book. Yeah, you would assume, yeah. Um, so is she someone that the hero was involved with in the past, like a high school sweetheart or anything? Uh, so no, and there really is no leading lady in this. Um, mm. the, Shane is married. We talked about in the prequel that it, he was married mm-hmm. throughout some of the books, and at some point she gets fridged. Yeah. Um, it must be after the one, this one, because she is alive in this one. Uh, her name is Phyllis, I believe. Um, and uh, the book actually opens with the, him and with the two of them, his wife, him and his wife packing to go on vacation together. Like they're going up to New York 
Yeah. Uh, this whole book actually takes place in Miami. The movie moves it to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, yeah, the story takes place in Miami in the book. And they're going up to New York on a vacation. Uh, but then he gets a call that sets him off on this case. And there's like a whole bunch of thing where she's like, oh, God, not, you know, like you can tell this happens a lot where they mm-hmm. have plans and his job as a P.I. ruins everything. But yes, she's only in the very beginning of the book and then is mentioned briefly throughout. And there are other women that show up here and there, but they usually end up either dead or have very brief appearances. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So this was definitely a better in the movie change for me. Uh, I really enjoyed kind of the slow reveal of their backstory and how they knew each other and initially not knowing that and that sort of thing. I also appreciated that the movie did add a kind of a woman with some agency like I said, the women in the book are all kind of just set dressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're to be used by the men who are doing the important things. The movie is not remotely free of misogyny, and we'll get to some of that later. But it is significantly better in the book, in, in my opinion, in the sense that we at least have this kind of interesting, self-possessed woman yeah. who is part of the main yeah, plot. Yeah, she's got her and own has thing her going own motivations on. and her yeah. own kind of desires, and uh, is not just there to you. Like I said, be in a accoutrement to what the men are doing right entirely so um so we mentioned in the summary that harry and perry are on a stakeout and they see uh, a car get flies over their heads yeah flies over their heads into the lake yeah um and then there's a a dead a dead woman in the trunk of the car is there ever a dead woman in a car trunk in this book and does a car get driven into a lake? So neither of those two specific things happen. There's okay. a dead woman in a car several times, but I think she's usually in the back seat. We'll get to that. Um, but the uh, so the initial introduction of the dead body is pretty different in the movie and the book. Um, and I'll get to this more later uh, about what is the what what this movie does versus the book and how they're similar. We're we're kind of in specifics right now, and I haven't given the broad view. I think I have a note about later where I'll kind of talk about more broadly what is mm-hmm. what, and it is what I expected from what I said in the prequel that it's the murder plot, the conspiracy is from the book. Everything else is not basically, yeah, for the most part. Um, so the way that the dead body shows up is pretty different in the book. The character of the daughter shows up at that this is the call that he gets when they're packing for vacation um and she ends up showing up at his apartment mm-hmm. at dr- drugged out of her mind she's like well he thinks she's drunk initially but then realizes eventually that she's been like slipped a mickey uh, mm-hmm. he calls it it's got the actual name they call it a mickey something like a full oh. name like a mickey huh. i can't remember now um but i guess that's where mickey came from but it's like he's like calls it like a yeah mickey. i didn't know that was like a shortened yeah hmm. it's mickey something like mickey james or it's not that but it's something like that <laughs> uh but she's drugged and she comes in and she's trying to like tell him something and she's like oh i have some information but she's like incoherent and stumbling and he ends up putting her in his bedroom because his wife comes back and he's trying to like work this case without her knowing and then also this girl's there and it's like weird and awkward so he puts her like lets her pass out on his bed and then he goes to do something, and then when he returns, she's dead. She had mm. been strangled in his apartment, like mm. in or in his bed, um, while he was gone. Uh, so that's how the, he ends up with this body the first time. More happens from there. Um, I like both versions. I thought that I really did enjoy the book's introduction of the mystery of this woman showing up and like having some sort of information, but being so incoherent that he can't really tell what what's yeah. going on or whatever. 
and then uh again i i the, the twist of like he leaves for like five minutes and comes back and she has been murdered and you're like what in his own apartment it's like a very interesting uh kind of conceit for the story but i also the movie's version here i think works really well where they're trailing this car and then a car goes flying in a thing i will say the only thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me in this scene in the movie is that the, the and wikipedia said perry notices a body in the trunk yeah how, how? i don't know how because i couldn't i i wasn't sure about that when we were watching it either i was yeah. like how did he know well and, and and there's a there's a detail earlier in the film where while the car is driving i swear harry says something like do you hear that sound coming from the car which to me implies that she's alive in the trunk, like banging on the trunk. Yeah. But then they say that her neck was broken. Yeah. And that's what killed. I don't know. It's a little confusing to me what exactly all transpired for her to be dead in the trunk and for them to know and for Perry to know about it. Anyways. um, So that all plays out different, a little bit different. I like both versions. I think both versions work. Uh, They're just kind of slightly different. But yeah, those specific details do not happen in the book. Okay. Uh, well, then shortly after that, um, because uh, Harry kind of handles that whole thing badly. Yes. Um, he, he uh, they, well, because so the, the whole details is Perry shoots the lock open on the trunk right. to get the trunk open. And then they realize afterwards that he shot the body. Yeah. So it's going to look so like it's going to look like he her. shot her. So then Harry, as they're trying to get they need to get out of there. Harry's like, because he's seen it in movies or whatever, he throws his gun into the lake. Yeah. And Perry's like, why did you now they're going to find my gun, you idiot. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, but at some point in all of that, um, they have a great exchange. Yes. And Perry says to him, look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find. And Harry's like a, a picture, picture of, of me. me. And he says, no, the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. Uh, that no, that is not in the book at all. Absolutely better in the movie. That line and Val Kilmer's delivery will never not make me bust out laughing. It's maybe my favorite line. It's it's the top voted quote on Wikipedia or on yeah. IMDb for a reason. It's everybody's favorite line from this movie because it's just hilarious. And again, Val Kilmer is delivers it just fantastically. But no, not in the book. And I it it very much feels like that is you can tell. Um, I understand why you asked this, but it also to me very much feels like modern comedy yes. writing that oh, yeah, yes this absolutely Shane Black's dialogue to a T this is the kind of stuff Shane Black writes um which I don't know if you've ever actually seen another Shane Black movie other than this. I don't think so I think we talked about that in the yeah prequel. yeah that's fair um but that's a, all of his dialogue is it, that kind of like subversion of expectations like cliches. of cliches yeah. and stuff he loves to do that kind of stuff and like deconstruct yeah tropes and cliches in like silly ways or whatever um, so, yeah, doesn't come from the book. Uh, and there's not really anything of that style. There's not no humor in the book, but there's nothing <laughs> that kind of. That is a uh-huh. very early 2000s and even current humor. But that is very much, uh, yeah, more modern style of humor than yeah. the book engages in. Um, so then following that, um, Harry receives a call that apparently Harmony has committed suicide. Yes. Um, and... He's really sad about it, and then he goes up to his hotel room, and then Harmony knocks on his door, and she's alive. Yes. Surprise. Um, at any point in the book, do they ever think that someone died, committed suicide, whatever. was killed, yeah. whatever, um, but then that person actually turns up alive? 
Oh, not really. So not I now I think about it, there is kind of one instance of it, but not in this not nearly as dramatically as the movie does it. Um uh, there is one character who is a maid at so the the, the movie's equivalent um in the in the movie Harlan Dexter is the 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 rich guy mm-hmm. who threw the party and with the daughter with the uh, who was suing him and all that sort of stuff. That whole plot comes from the book. Uh, the the book's equivalent of that character is a guy named Stallings, is instead of Harlan Dexter, um, and he has a maid, who at one point hair or uh, Mike Shane is trying to get information from. Mm-hmm. She disappears, and Mike Shane is worried that sh- they killed her to like, like to hush sh- her, to up. hush her up, yeah. basically. Uh, but then realize, but then and and he so he because at one point there's a body that's found in the bay near the rich guy the. Uh, Stallings mansion and he assumes it's and I assumed too reading that it was going to be her uh, it ends up not he goes into the morgue and finds that body it ends up not being her mm. uh, and then later at the end of the book there's a revelation that actually she was just being held prisoner in the mental hospital which we'll get to oh. but um, so she is alive uh, so, but it's not really dramatically revealed in the same way where like we think like a main important character like was dead and then they like Surprise, they're alive. Mm-hmm. Not really anything like that. So. Okay. Uh, then shortly after that, um, Robert Downey Jr., is, uh, he, uh, Harry is in his bathroom, in his hotel room, and he turns around, and sitting in his shower is the, the dead body of the girl from the lake. Yeah. Does a body ever show up in someone's shower? So, no, but this does, uh, I think this idea, I would argue this idea comes from the book, but it's not nothing specifically like this where there's just like turns around and there's a body in a shower. Mm -hmm. But I think it kind of combines two scenes from the book. So in the movie, this is the second time they found the body. They found the body with going into the the lake earlier and then they leave and they drive away and and, then leave. And then that body gets dropped back on in Harry's uh, hotel room later that night or the next day or whatever. In the book, I think it's combining the scene I talked about earlier where he's in his apartment. Mike Shane is in his apartment and then uh, the girl is there and then he leaves and when he comes back. She's dead and mm-hmm. in his apartment. That's the her being in his apartment part of it. But there's also a scene in the movie or in the book uh, that I, that is similar where. They get rid of the body that or no, the body disappears. That's the whole thing, too. The body ends up in his apartment. He's like, what the hell? The how, who killed the who somebody got in here and killed her he contacts him they're w- trying to figure out what to do they're gonna go hide the body or like move the body out of there so they can like kind of try to solve this whole mystery but as they're going to hide the body mike shane goes to leave and go do some stuff and he's gonna have tim do it because he knows he's being followed so he wants tim to go hide the body mm-hmm. and then Tim, they meet up later, and Tim's like, oh, you took care of that body thing, apparently, huh? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, there was no body in your apartment. Ooh. And so the body was gone. It just mm-hmm. disappeared out of his apartment, and he's like, what the hell? And then later, he's driving somewhere, and he gets hit by a car, and a person gets out of the car and throws the body, like next to his car and drives away so, to like try to plant the body on him again basically yeah uh and that's similar to this so i think it's like kind of those two moments kind of combined into one right because in the book when he gets hit by the car and they like plant the body on him that's the second time they end up with the body 
but it happens like out in public. But the first scene in the book happens in his apartment. So this is kind of like a mashup of those two scenes. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like essentially yeah. it like puts it in his apartment or slash hotel room, but it's like the second time they've yeah. seen his body and they're trying to plant it on him for the second time or hmm. whatever. So anyways, okay. definitely inspired by the book, but just not identical. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Harry and Perry get rid of the body. Uh, they wrap it up in like a blanket or a rug or something. Um, and they just like leave it on the side of the road somewhere. Yes. Does anybody in the book ever leave a body on the side of the road? Yes. Uh, the movie nailed this. Uh, Shane and Rourke uh, do leave the body of the dead woman uh, after the second time he gets it. They do just leave it on some person's lawn, actually, in the mm. book. They're just like... And they know they have like X amount of time, but they 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 need to get rid of it. Um, I can't remember exactly why they decide to just leave it, but anyways, they just leave it on somebody's lawn so that it'll be found, and then blah blah blah. But yeah, yeah. basically, they do just leave it somewhere. Um, so then we we kind of go back to uh, Harmony and Harry, and she has found out that Harry is not actually a PI, as he kind yes. of allowed her to believe earlier. Yeah. Um. And she gets mad. She slams the door and it cuts his finger off. Yes. Um, does anyone in the book get their finger cut off? No. The, nobody gets their finger cut off. Uh, does not happen in the book. But this is a great running gag in the film that I do really enjoy is that he keeps he gets it cut off and then it gets it sewed back on yeah. and then it, it gets, gets ripped off again. <laughs> and then a whole bunch of stuff happens. Which we'll talk about. But yeah, uh, great running gag does not happen in the book. Um, also, I, I just have a question. Can they literally just sew an entire finger back on? I, as far as I understand, the answer to that question is yes. Like bone and everything? Yes. I, my understanding, especially depending on where it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always heard at least that you you are literally supposed to put it on ice and go to an emergency room immediately because they can, in some instances, reattach it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I mean, I guess the good if you're better than finger better, gets cut yeah. off, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so this is maybe it, it may be a sorry, it may be a case where like you lose functionality or like feeling or something, right. but yeah, you still yeah, have. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know, yeah. or maybe not. It may regrow nerve. Yeah. I have no idea, but I know, I know that's a thing where you can um, reattach fingers. Medical sorry. professional listeners, please <laughs> yeah. weigh in. Yeah. So th this is my next question is even more of a kind of broad. I was trying to be a little bit broad with my questions because I knew, knew that it wasn't that it yeah. was not very similar. Um, but this is maybe an even more broad question. And what I'm wondering is if either Harry or Perry, because they're two, are two like kind of main characters, yes. are anything like the main character in the book, Michael Shane, because I know that character isn't in the movie, yeah. but I'm wondering if anything came through or if there was any like inspiration. Yeah. And so, like I said, kind of how I alluded to earlier, not, not really. I, I, like I said, Perry's kind of close-ish because he's, he's a PI, mm -hmm. but neither of them really feel like Shane in the book to me. Shane is like this whip smart, tough talking, hard boiled detective. He's yeah. like the quintessential this kind of detective. Yeah, like that character. Yeah, trope. he's like quintessentially that character trope. Um, and but he's not really like sarcastic or quippy or smarmy like like both Harry and Perry are, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I wouldn't say there's really much of anything about either of their characters that feels like Mike Shane, other mm -hmm. than the fact literally that like 
Perry's job is a PI. Right. And like he Perry does seem to be like maybe competent in the same way that Shane is. Like he He just seems like he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing and he definitely like he he figures out some of the stuff like kind of you know uh, in his head like well b- before other people and stuff like that i would say he that's maybe the closest thing because that's kind of the whole thing is that at the end of the book shane kind of does his columbo like mm-hmm. this is all, what all happened yeah. you know it's sure like whatever here's how i solved the yeah case. here's how i solved the murder um so like i would say that's kind of similar but other than that like personality wise i wouldn't really say that either of them feel particularly okay maybe they drink a lot we'll get to that but like <laughs> maybe they they drink and they don't drink as much i have a note about it later but yeah well it was wild we'll get to it i have <laughs> it's crazy gotta love that uh mid-century care for your liver it's we'll get i i, I could not it's cr- insane um, okay, so then moving forward in our story, um, Perry is has been hired to tail this girl in the park, um, who we find out later is connected to the whole thing. But he, we don't know that at this time. We don't know that yet. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Harmony is bringing um, Harry back from the hospital, and he's like loopy on his on his pain meds. Yeah. So she is going to warn perry that he's in danger basically that it's like a setup, yeah, yeah that it's a setup yeah but she leaves harry in the car mm-hmm. um and then the whole thing goes south yeah and perry almost gets killed but. yeah perry almost gets killed and um the the pink haired girl that he was tailing like freaks out and runs and she comes across the car and basically just takes it and yeah. drives home um, with Harry in the back seat. Yeah. At any point in this book, does someone pass out in the back of a car <laughs> that then gets stolen and driven to a secondary location? No. Okay. Nah. Yeah. Not that I recall. <laughs> at least I. I do not believe that happens. There are some cars that are stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, a delivery truck. Towards the end, Mike Shane steals a delivery truck to do. Okay. Which that's is, that's kind of similar to, to the, the, uh, the coffin when yeah when yeah. what's her name steals the uh the mortuary yeah, the big or the, truck with the coffin it's not a mortuary, it? i guess it's from the, um, the crematorium no it's actually from the mental hospital i think because because oh, they yeah, had yeah, her yeah, coffin right, in the, yeah right, i think it's from the right. mental hospital that's kind of similar um i wouldn't say that i don't think there's like a chase in the book from my memory mm-hmm. but uh he does steal he like he's like uh, uh, we'll get to it later but at one point mike shane is a wanted man and he has to escape and he ends Mm. up hiding by like pretending to be like working in the back of a UPS truck essentially. And then he ends up stealing the UPS truck to like get away. Okay. But which is kind of similar to that, but no, nobody, nobody passes out in a car and then wakes up like in a mysterious location. I was I was really trying hard to like pick things out. <laughs> yeah, like very this, like kind of, of broad like mechanical that I, things that I thought could potentially yeah. have come from uh, a 1940s 1950s hard boiled yeah. detective and you got, novel. You got you got some of them for sure. <laughs> you definitely got some. Um uh, so then we're at uh the pink haired girl's house and um one of the like thug guys yes, comes Mr. in. Mr. Fire Mr. or Frying Mr. Pan Mr. Fire one of the two. Mr. Frying Pan don't remember. Um, and those characters, uh, the equivalence names in the book, I can't remember. I think it's like Jerry, but one of them, my favorite, there's this big muscle guy. His mm-hmm. name is Donk. <laughs> I think it's a nickname. I love that. But his name is literally just Donk. <laughs> it's incredible. But they're kind of equivalent to the, there's like mm-hmm. two muscly guys that are working. For, they're working for a character that is, doesn't really have an equivalent in the movie, but 
yeah similar idea um so what i'm wanting to know is if there's anything in the book that is similar to the scene where harry's hiding under her bed and then this girl gets killed and like falls down right by him and they're like looking each other in the eyes as she's dying yeah no uh that does nothing like that happens but i did really like this scene in the movie um so a lot of the violence that happens in the book and particularly the violence that happens to women in the book uh happens off screen which to me i think you can make an argument both ways but to me it makes it feel less upsetting and less meaningful Mm mm-hmm um, cause it like tons of women, I say tons, a, a handful of women get killed or whatever. I think it's two, maybe, maybe more. I can't remember, but several women get killed or whatever, but it all happens. We just, yeah, we see we, the we after, we see their bodies. We, bear witness we, we don't have it. to bear witness to it. We don't have to like deal with that uh, at all in the book. It's just sort of the bodies show up and then, you know, as the title implies, bodies are where you find them. Like the bodies just show up and then we deal with their corpses. We don't really deal with the fact that they were people at any point. We never mm-hmm. meet them alive. I don't even think most of them, any of them, maybe I can't remember. Um, and so to me, I thought this scene in the movie made the violence happening specifically to women more immediate and terrifying. And I really, um, specifically, I really like right after that, when our, uh, uh, Harry, grabs the gun the guy comes back in to like get rid of the body or whatever and harry is sitting there and he grabs the gun and shoots the bad guy um i really liked uh robert downey jr's reaction to having killed that guy and like not know like when he calls perry and he's like perry i killed a guy and he's like i don't know and he's like doesn't really know how to handle it Mm -hmm. um i think all of that scene i think added a lot of gravitas to the story that the book kind of lacked Again, mm-hmm. him, us watching her die and Robert Downey Jr. dealing with that. Um, and again, we don't really know this character, so it's not like perfect or anything. She's just kind of a disposable, like she just shows up in like two scenes and we don't really know who she is in the movie at this point. Yeah. And then she just dies. So it's not like we have an attachment to her or anything. But again, at least we're seeing, again, it makes it more real. It makes it, to me, feel more, um, gives it more weight in a way that the book just kind of like... Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah, I agree. I, I liked this scene too. Cause the movie overall is, I mean, it's a comedy. Yes. It's and very it's, much a yeah, comedy. It's, but it's, it's a dark comedy. It's, it's a dark it's, comedy, yeah. but it is, it's like, it's, it's quippy and it's yeah. self aware. Yeah. Um, and it's sarcastic. <laughs> to its own detriment at times. You know, yeah. But this scene, I thought that, you know, the, the director and everything, they really allowed that to kind of like drop. Yeah out of the bottom of the scene yeah. and you kind of drop along with it yeah. as the viewer. Yeah. No. And, and it makes it very clear that there are stakes here, that this isn't just a fun, like wacky adventure again. Yeah. Cause until this point, like, yeah, we've seen bodies, but we haven't, we didn't ever met the, the girl from the beginning whose body right. we saw just like a body that showed up yeah. and like, who is this? Blah, blah, blah. And, and the movie will go on to continue to kind of treat, you know, her, it, 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 you know, in like a slapstick manner, like the, especially the, the first girl's body and everything like that. It, it's a very irreverent film, but I, I do think that that it needed at least one moment like this where it, it at least tries to make some of this feel a little real to mm-hmm. at least to some extent. I don't know. Maybe it maybe it doesn't work for everybody. But to me, I. I appreciated the again the attempt to kind of ground this and go no actually people are you know this is not just like a fun yeah. thing I don't know yeah and then when he has to shoot the guy immediately after that and I, Robert Downey Jr. does a really good job oh he's great with this, this yeah. role yeah. um and you can just kind of see in his face of like not yeah 
like he's it's outside like of himself. Yeah, yeah, his numbness. He is. Yeah, like when he like the the interaction. He. I mean, it's incredibly traumatizing because he has to like stop her from making noise so she doesn't give him away like he covers her mouth because he's hiding under the bed and if she starts making noise or whatever he might get found so and you can tell this is incredibly difficult for him because he sits up and he's just sitting there the guy walks into the room he doesn't even react initially he's just like kneeling there like with a thousand yard stare and then he realizes the gun is there and picks it up and shoots this guy a bunch of times but yeah um you can tell he is not he is disassociating yes, in this moment very much so uh, and I, I again i i think it's a scene that that adds a lot to the film in kind of grounding it and making it it giving it some weight that i don't think the book has which again I, the book's doing a different thing i don't i don't think you necessarily have to do something like this but i think it definitely gives the movie an added layer of you know gravitas for lack of a better word mm-hmm. yeah i agree um, but then we're we're kind of almost immediately back to <laughs> yes. hijinks. Yeah, um, I mean that is this. This, this movie is a tonal like <laughs> yes. roller coaster. Like it, and it, I think it were, rides it very well. But I can uh-huh. see some people being like, oh, like okay, so you're gonna do this thing where he's like dissociating and like dealing with death and murdering somebody, and then immediately we're like the most like Looney Tunes hijinks ever. Yes. with with your next question. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, because he's uh he's at the house still, and he calls Perry. And then there's a dog. Yes, and, and his finger house. has been ripped off. Yes, again. his finger has been ripped off again, and he's put it back on ice. Yeah. Um, but the dog steals it. Yeah. And has it in his mouth. Yes. And he's freaking out for multiple reasons. Yes. Um, but also partly because, like, if he leaves his finger here, yeah, it's got you a know, fingerprint. It's got literally. a fingerprint on it. <laughs> literally, um, and DNA and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but then. The dog swallows it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he's on the phone and he's like, actually, I don't think it's going to be a <laughs> he's problem. Like, well, I guess that problem sorted itself out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. I love that moment. Uh, does a dog eat a finger in this book? Yeah. No. Uh, again, no, the, the book is not silly in this sort of way. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, 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 it's more lighthearted than the movie is at times, but it's also not like, comedic in the way that the movie is it's Mm -hmm. more kind of just like a straightforward mystery adventure book kind of thing with with some quippy fun but mostly just kind of like a mystery uh yeah and so no none of this happens in the book this is all all movie stuff with the finger and the dog eating it and all of that (laughs) but i love it it's definitely all better in the movie stuff for me Uh, so the next place that we go in the movie is a mental hospital um, that is owned by uh, the big bad Harlan, Harlan Dexter. Dexter. Uh, is there anything in the book with a, a mental hospital? Yeah. Yes, actually, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so basically this entire part comes from the book. Um, the villain in the book does the exact same plot, which is that he, he kidnaps, not kidnap, I guess kidnaps, whatever. Um, slight difference in the book. It's his stepdaughter mm. in the movie. It's his daughter, yeah. like his, um, uh, paternal dot whatever yeah. the word um you want to use but yeah so in the in the movie it's his, his daughter in the book it's his stepdaughter um but in the same same thing he ends up uh committing her like secretly committing her to she comes back from a trip mm-hmm. uh she has sued him for uh, over her the, the her mom's estate basically um she comes back from a trip he secretly stashes her in this mental institution locks her up there um and then uses a fake daughter 
to have to drop the lawsuit essentially mm. so that's all and then that fake daughter kind of assumes her life basically that's all identical to what happens in the book um i will say there's two sp but the specific thing with the mental hospital i have two notes about the mental hospital plot line that i think are better in the book to some extent one of them is sherlock holmes there's this character <laughs> in the book and this may be problematic i don't know this is tough i don't know there's a lot of layers to this that maybe it's problematic in different ways maybe it's not i i'm really not the 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 kind of uh, i don't i i don't know but he goes to visit this mental hospital at one point um because he gets a lead that leads him there in the mm -hmm. book and he meets this character while he's there who's this this guy and I think there's it's at least similar to the book when or to the movie in, in how problematic it is in, in its depiction of people with mental illness but or, you know, in a mental institution or whatever. But he gets there and there's this old guy there who's like whispering and talking to him while he's waiting to go talk. He wants to go talk to like the head of the hospital or whatever. Mm -hmm. And while he's waiting, this old guy comes up who's a um, a patient there and tells him he's Sherlock Holmes and he's working on a mystery and mm -hmm. he's got like these leads and all this sort of stuff. And he's like doing all this like very hush hush whispering to because he knows Mike Shane is a PI because mm. he's seen him in the news or whatever. Because mm -hmm. Mike Shane is like famous at this yeah. point. And so he's seen him in the news and stuff. So he's like, he's like, oh, you're I can trust you with this secret. There's there's a murder. There's a blah, blah, blah. And he, he's he said he's like, again, he thinks he's Sherlock Holmes. And but he mentions this plot about uh, this. The, the, the Duchess was killed. He says, oh, the Duchess was taken or blah, blah, blah. And, and it ends up he was actually he like was witnessing about, real yeah, events yeah, 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 and, yeah. but translating them into this kind of fantasy world of yeah. like Sherlock Holmes and stuff but he did see what transpired at this mental institution and and all, uh, his story kind of lines up with what actually happened but just with this layer of like fantasy over it which I thought was interesting yeah that is interesting I, again I thought that was interesting uh, there's a part about that later where he goes back and sees Sherlock Holmes again which is a little weird we'll talk about but I kind of liked that none of that shows up in the movie uh, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, there's a separate guy who also saw the same thing, and but it's kind of hidden behind this layer mm -hmm. of, you know, whatever. Um, second thing that I think is better in the book that I, I just, I think the movie, I understand why they did this, but in the movie, the hospital is owned slash run by Harlan Dexter, and yeah. the movie mentions he was an actor turned, like, entrepreneur, and apparently the entrepreneurial avenue he took was running mental inside. Like it, it's That's such a, a very strange, interesting uh, business move. It's I suppose. such a strange thing. And the reason it exists is that they need an explanation in the movie for why Dexter was able to like have this mental institution, take his daughter and like yeah. keep her there. And in the movie, their explanation is, well, it's his, like he runs it. Right. It's all corrupt, blah, blah, blah. In the book, we find out, that the mental institution is the doctor who runs it is like corrupt basically. And mm -hmm. we meet this doctor. He's a whole separate character. It's like Dr. Patterson or whatever. He's basically in with like the mob, the local mob. And there's all this like kind of political intrigue and connections and stuff. And Stallings was able to, was through the mob connected with this hospital. And that's how they, he ferried his daughter off there to be like basically held prisoner. Mm -hmm. So that's, Again, I understand why the movie changed it to kind of eliminate some of these extra characters that the book has. Sure. To kind of yeah. streamline things and just be like, oh, well, it's just Harlan Deck. But it just feels a little weird. Like, he's an actor who now runs a mental hospital. Like, what? It's yeah. just a little strange. I don't know. It didn't feel as believable as me to the, as the book's explanation, but it's also less complicated 
Right. Than the book's explanation. Right. Well, I mean, in the movie, all you have to do is say one line. Yeah. Um, and then show us uh, show the building where it says, like, yeah. Dexter yeah, Mental yeah, yeah, Institute yeah. or whatever. So, like, sure. It's it's fine. I just, it feels a little clunky and clumsy to me compared to the books, which is makes more sense, but is, again, more convoluted mm-hmm. and takes more characters and explaining, so... Um, so then uh, Harry and Perry are there investigating and they get captured by this orderly guy who I don't think is actually connected to any of it. Well, but he's corrupt. Like he, he knows what's going on. Okay. Because he threatens to kill them. And like, he's, he's very much like corrupt working for Dexter is aware of the plot and every, like he's. Okay. Yeah. He's very much like not a good guy. Like he's, he's not just like a random orderly. Okay. Like who doesn't know yeah. anything. Um, so anyway, so he is holding them at gunpoint, but then they manage to get the gun from him. Yeah. And uh so my question is, do any of the characters in the book try to do Russian roulette <laughs> with the single bullet in the gun and then just immediately accidentally kill the guy? Yeah, uh so no, this none of this happens in the book. Uh and again, I love this scene. It's a better in the movie for me. It's ridiculous in like the best way possible. It's so absurd. I the first time I watched this scene, I think I laughed like nonstop for like 10 minutes when we watched <laughs> this in college for the first time because I just was so unexpected. It was that kind of like like whole I just was not Yeah. But it's another um kind of like subversion yes. of a trope. Yeah. And uh, my, but my favorite detail of the whole scene is he 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 puts the one bullet in the six shooter or whatever like a revolver mm-hmm. and spins it and then pulls it up and and shoots him and he's like what and he's like starting to like count on his fingers he's like wait I put one and he's like it's like it should have been like an eight percent chance and and Perry goes eight who taught you math and it's my favorite <laughs> which is also a call call back to who taught you grammar um, yes from earlier but i i love that detail and i love that line so much uh and yeah no none of that comes from the book but it is a delightful ridiculous comedy beat um but then after that uh so that they get away from the orderly but then they're almost immediately captured by uh harlan dexter and some of his goons um and then there's there's a torture scene so is there a torture scene in the book no, uh, not not specifically. Um, there is a scene where, again, where Harlan or where Mike Shane gets beat up by some thugs, but not like they're not like torturing him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't come from the book. Um, and I do like the scene, despite some, you know, problematic undertones to the scene. Right. But um, I really do. One of my favorite moments in the scene is Robert Downey Jr. repeatedly yelling at Perry to stop helping because <laughs> Perry's like like egging on the. Basically insinuating that the guy torturing them is gay and like trying to like yeah. attack his like man manliness or whatever his manhood, uh, and this keeps making the guy more angry. So he keeps shocking <laughs> Harry more, and he's just like, "Stop helping! Stop helping!" <laughs> Which is great. Uh, and then Perry has a gun hidden in his his crotch, yeah, and he ends up shooting this guy with it. Uh, and the other moment, that's the other line that I really like from this scene is he's like, homophobes never check there because <laughs> he, he hides his Derringer, his, which they introduced. They yeah. set up earlier in the film. He has this little, uh, little, little, tiny, little tiny Derringer. Little tiny baby gun. Yeah. Uh, and he apparently puts it in his underwear. And yeah, he's like, homophobes never check there, <laughs> uh, which I thought was great. But yeah, none of that comes from the book. 
Uh, so they get away, and uh, a whole bunch of stuff happens um, <laughs> that I'm not even sure I could begin to recount correctly. It's chaos, yeah, yeah, this is kind. It is kind of just chaos. It's a big chase in, in like, this yeah, this nonsense. big chase scene. Um, but uh, Harmony is is has hijacked the the van, the mental hospital van that has uh, the daughter's corpse yes. in it, um, and and everybody's chasing her. And then at one point. Um, both Harry and Perry get shot with the same bullet. Yeah. Um, like it goes through Perry and hits Harry. Yeah. Do two characters get shot with the same bullet in this book? Uh, no, and I don't think anyone gets shot in the whole book. Um, and definitely neither of our main characters, Tim nor uh, Mike Shane, get shot. Um, they both get their asses kicked several times in different ways, but not nobody gets shot. Mm-hmm. I truly don't think anyone in this book gets shot. Shane gets shot at once or twice uh, in a couple scenes, but he does not. Nobody gets shot. He doesn't okay. shoot anybody, and nobody gets shot. I don't think, unless I'm misremembering. So. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, far less shooting in well, that the, that book than I'll, I would have expected. I'll get to it here on this. Your last question. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my last question here. Um, so like I said, this final chase scene, like big action beat is kind of chaos. Um, this like big climax. And so basically the coffin with Veronica's corpse in it ends up like falling over the edge of an overpass, but then it gets, it catches on like the big highway sign and it's just like sitting there. And then later on after that. Harry also like flips over the overpass and is like on top of the coffin and then he slides off and he manages to catch the hand of the corpse. Yes. And he's like dangling over the highway and and shooting and he manages to shoot. And he catches the gun. Yeah, the gun falls and he catches the gun (laughs) and he's shooting and he manages to shoot the guys that are in the car driving underneath him. Yeah. Um, And he shoots Harlan Dexter. Yeah, and he shoots Harlan Dexter. So all of this to say, <laughs> at any point in this book, does anyone dangle over a freeway while holding a corpse's <laughs> hand and shooting at the bad guys? Have you ever shot a gun or <laughs> j- uh, shot a gun whilst diving through the air, screaming "Ah!" I can't remember the line, but Hot Fuzz. It just reminds the way you wrote that reminds me of that scene from Hot Fuzz <laughs> where Nick Frost is like, "Have you ever dove in through the air shooting a gun?" Um, no. So none of this happens, and I have mixed feelings on this. Um, so the whole movie is fairly ridiculous. Yes. Uh, but this is like particularly over the top silly to me. Yes. <laughs> I do think it's intentional because they mentioned earlier in the film that every Johnny Gossamer book, which is basically the Mike Shane stand in of yeah. this, of this, uh, the film, Mike Shane of this universe. Yes. Uh, every Johnny Gossamer book ends in a crazy shootout. Uh, ironically, as I, you alluded to in the last question, this book does not. There's like mm-hmm. very little shooting at all. The the climax of this book is them all standing in a room and Mike Shane just like Columboing, like explaining yeah. what happened basically. Um, but it does feel a bit silly to me. Like I don't, I don't dislike the ending of this movie, like the climax and the big action sequence. But it it doesn't. It's maybe my least favorite part because it just feels a little wrong i don't know Mm -hmm. something about it just doesn't feel like 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 we've not to this point and again i think it's intentional because i think it's a callback to this is how this story has to end with a big crazy shootout or whatever and like nonsense but it just while the movie is ridiculous throughout it never feels 
so um unbelievable yeah unbelievable whereas this is just like complete nonsense yeah like again we also well, have I, no I, setup yeah. for robert downey jr being able to really shoot a gun right and i think like i think that would be like the sticking point for me is that he does suddenly get very good at shooting yeah in this last scene like the ridiculousness of it i can forgive because the whole movie is ridiculous right but he does get very good at shooting all of a sudden. Yeah, and and again, I think that I think the movie just kind of doesn't care. Like it's just again, yeah, it's doing the thing where it's like and yeah, like we ultimately know. it doesn't. No, matter. it doesn't matter, and it's like yeah, we know. Like it's silly, but like that's the point. This how that's how this has to end, and it doesn't make sense that this guy is like a crack shot all of a sudden. Like who yeah, can, they just don't care because it's not the point. But that being said, it does. It is. I don't know. I don't know what I would rather the ending have been. But it this ending does feel a little less than perfect to me. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. Um, but again, I don't I don't dislike it. I think it's it's fine. It's just eh, it's it's just okay. All right, Katie has one question for Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, was lost. Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. Okay. So when they pull the girl's body out of the lake in this movie, yeah, um, Harry notices that she's not wearing any underwear. Yeah. Um, he, he pulls her skirt down, yeah, because uh, he's a nice guy, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then later on, he's like thinking back on it, and he has a realization about her not wearing any underwear. And then this eventually leads them to conclude that she was in the mental hospital. Do people not wear underwear in mental hospitals? And I know this is probably isn't something that the book can answer, but like I I don't understand why her not wearing underwear tips them off to that specifically. Like maybe she just wasn't wearing underwear. I, I I don't understand the A to B connection yeah. between like oh she's not wearing underwear that means she must have been in a mental institution yeah so I will say I agree that this is a bit of a stretch that the movie asks you to it's, it's a little yeah. bit of a leap that the movie asks you to take um, but it does come from the book I'll say that first this is straight out of the book this is hmm. how the basically one of the things that lets Mike Shane crack the case essentially. But going back, I do think generally this can be the case from my understanding, depending on I think it depends on a lot of things, mainly like the type of institution and like why the person is in yeah. the, the institution. Um, there definitely would be I and and also the time period, obviously. But as far as I know, there are some patients who who aren't allowed certain things like like underwear or whatever, if they're like maybe a suicide risk or something like that, mainly mm-hmm. because man, now maybe they would get a special type of underwear. I don't know. Um, but like basically because like uh, underwear with like elastic and stuff could be used to create whatever something yeah you know uh, which is the same reason like like basic i think it's similar thing with um like prisoners who are under certain like suicide watches or whatever where they they aren't allowed like certain types of like sheets and stuff you know Mm -hmm. i mean like stuff like that the reason so moving on again i don't know that for sure i that's just my what i my uh, what i've absorbed from media i don't know how true that is and i don't know how true that remains to this day i yeah may have been more true 60 years ago than it is now may have never been true i don't know but i think that's at least somewhat true but 
the reason that it tips him off in this in the movie and why he makes that connection is that there's they make a specific note that his daughter is a born again Christian. Oh, yes. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, there's I, a, caught, there, I, I think it's mentioned that. two or three times. Uh, and one of the times later when he makes that connection, he mentions like, oh, that's weird because she's a born again Christian. Yeah. Saying like because because I think in the at some point in the movie, somebody makes the thing and and the book does this, too. Of like, well, that's not that weird. Like, plenty of women, because in Miami, he's like, we're in Miami. Tons of women here don't wear underwear or whatever. Right. And uh, he's like, well, specifically in the book, he says, well, she's a like a good upstanding girl because she comes from like a rich family or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the movie changes that to, oh, she's a born again Christian, so she would not wear underwear. Is the implication? Okay. I guess. (laughs) But again, this. More on the more so, this whole thing comes from the book, and I think that it's just like they decided to keep it and try to find a way to massage it into a modern story mm-hmm. as best as they could. I don't think it works perfectly. Um, but again, that is how Shane and uh realizes that the body him and Rourke dumped was not the same girl that showed up at his apartment because when she shows up at his apartment, he thinks he realized or she does have underwear, but then when they dump the body later. Um, they noticed that she's not wearing underwear mm. and then uh, they didn't realize up until the very end that those were not the same bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there ends up being two bodies. Um, but yeah, it's all very ridiculous. I, I will say there's another thing. He confirms a theory in the book by going back to the mental hospital and he actually steals the Sherlock Holmes guy's gown to reveal that he's not wearing because he doesn't know for sure that they don't have underwear. <laughs> and so he just takes Sherlock Holmes's gown and is like, I I was right. They don't have underwear. And then oh, he just leaves. It's okay. weird. But he also is using that. Uh, uh, spoilers. He's going to plant a bunch of evidence in this book that is going to be. <laughs> this book, uh, Mike Shane succeeds by literally just fabricating evidence. Oh, good. That is real in the sense that he's correct about what he's fabricating. Right. But he is just fabricating evidence, <laughs> which I think huh, I'll talk okay. about at some point. That's um, an interesting moral conundrum. He basically plants Sherlock Holmes's uh, mental institution gown in the car of the Stallings, the Harlan Dexter guy, mm-hmm. um, to prove that they were the ones who dumped her body oh. on him earlier or whatever. Like when he got hit by the car yeah. and then they dumped the body, he he not only <laughs> he he damages the car. The car has been repaired already. Like when he finds it at the end for the big reveal, he goes to the house. The car that hit him has been fixed. It's had its bumper repaired and everything. Mm -hmm. So he literally takes the car and runs it into the wall to (laughs) mimic the damage that was on it when it hit him. Again, this Mm. is also the 40s or whatever. So they didn't have like advanced forensics or whatever. Sure. So yeah, he literally hits the car into a wall to mimic the damage that it would have had when it hit him. And then he plants this gown in the car to, to... to be like, so that way when he tells the cops later, hey, this is all what happened, which is what happened. Right. He's not wrong. But now there's... there's but ev- the evidence he is providing for this is fake. Right. Is, is the evidence evidence with big air quotes yes. around it. And now he is not a cop. He is a private eye. So I don't know how that works in terms of like... Because if that were to happen in real life... The whole case is fucked. If a right. cop, if a cop yes. went and like the case is, is getting thrown out immediately, done for. I don't know how it worked back in the forties, but yeah, it was all very <laughs> ridiculous. The whole thing is crazy. Uh, but that is what goes down in the book. 
Uh, anyways, speaking of the book, I have a few things to talk about that I thought were better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So we talked about this uh, actually in the prequel episode. One of the reviews was talking about how they liked the maybe it was Ebert liked the movie, but thought the kind of meta fourth wall breaking didn't work. And it was funny because at the time mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I thought I liked that stuff on rewatch. I think that kind of meta narrative and the narration have aged not great, not in like a problematic way, yeah. but just in a. This is this is of its time. Of its time, yeah. Um, it for me now, like I, I think it definitely worked in two thousand five, and it worked when I watched this movie for the first time in two thousand ten or whatever. I, I don't remember what I was in college, but to me, it feels a bit too clever for its own good now. Uh, like we get the thing at one point where, um, like especially some of the narration where Robert Downey Jr. is like, maybe you're wondering. Oh, he's at the party and mm-hmm. he's like walking through the LA party at the beginning. He's like, maybe you're wondering how I got here or maybe you're wondering how silly putty picks shit up off a newspaper. And it's like, all right, like it's just, yeah. it's kind of that clever for clever sake. Like look how witty I am right. kind of writing. And I, and I get too that. I think there's an attempt to mimic like the kind of hard boiled detective narration. Yes. But with like a sarcastic, like modern early two thousands, early two thousands yeah. edge to it. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think it feels very of its time. Yeah, and so the narration's like that. But then there's a handful of other moments where they like lampshade their own movie. Which if you don't lampshade, I think I've explained this before. But lampshading is like if you're you, you do something kind of tropey or cliche in a mm-hmm. story, but then you call that out. Yeah, as like a rebuff to the criticism yeah, hey of, we know this is a cliche we know this is cliche we know this is silly so we're, we're we're lampshading it by like calling it out and i think the term comes from like putting a lampshade on a whatever i don't know point being there's like the scene where they introduce harlan dexter and his daughter they're mm-hmm. at the party and they introduce harlan dexter and his daughter and then after that scene happens Harry comes in the the voiceover and is like, so you're probably wondering, like, why am I watching the scene about this random guy and this girl? Who even are they? Why does this matter? Like, obviously, that's going to come back at some point. Like, why would they be showing me this if it wasn't? And that whole time, I couldn't help but be like, all right, I don't need this. Yeah. And the thing that's crazy is the movie's good enough. It does not need that. I completely agree with the the critic or whatever who wrote that review. Now, maybe it's Ebert. I don't Like I said, I don't remember. Totally agree. The movie just does not need this. Like, mm-hmm. it works fine without, like, this, this again, lampshading it. They do it again at the end. Perry gets shot. Seems like he's dying. He's, like, coughing up blood. And then we cut after everything resolves. And they're in the hospital. And Perry, like, wheels in or, like, in a wheelchair or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh. And, like, they we pause the movie for Harry's voiceover to be like, Oh, uh, I know. Oh, oh, look, the, oh, the one of the main characters that you thought might gonna die is actually alive. Why not bring everybody back? And like all these characters walk through, yeah, the, like the like everybody girl di- who and, died, yeah. And then and they bring like Elvis, like they like it's a big over the top thing, and it's and it just feels so self conscious or like so like just do it, just do the thing, like you, it, it feels defensive in a yes. way that feels yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it just feels really defensive in a way that is like has again i think that i probably found kind of funny when i first watched it but watch it again now it just feels i don't want to say hacky necessarily but like because i think that it's still kind of funny like it Mm. still kind of works yeah 
but it's just like just do it just do the movie like you yeah the movie's good don't you don't need to like tell like try to convince us that you're smarter than you are like we it's good like you're it's fine you don't need to do this um and so that was actually one of my biggest criticisms of the, of the movie this time is that i think if you just cut all of the like fourth wall breaking meta stuff i think this movie's like better mm. and again i don't think it's bad as is i, I love that i like this movie quite a bit but I think if you just get rid of any time Harry like break, I don't think you need to get rid of all the voiceover, but you get rid of any of the like meta fourth wall stuff. Yeah. I think this movie is improved. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was funny was that uh, as we were watching it, that like meta narrative breaking the fourth wall narration style also reminded me of the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Which did come oh, out yeah, before no, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, for sure. Because there is literally like there's a point in both movies where they like literally like stop the film and it's like between two frames. Yes, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty common. Yeah, that, that was a yeah definitely in vogue at that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't need it. It just doesn't need it. And I it, to me, it just it just kind of made me roll my eyes every time it happened uh, mm-hmm. when it didn't the first maybe even the first couple times I watched this movie. Which is interesting because I I I I I haven't it hasn't been that long since I watched like Community and Community does like a fair amount of lampshading and stuff like that, but it yeah. never felt as defensive as this does for some reason. In particular, that last scene with Perry when he comes very back, defensive, felt very defensive, very like uh, like we're gonna call this out before you before can. you can. Be, so you, yeah, it just felt very like I was like, all right, man, it's fine. We don't. It's a movie. Like we don't. Yeah. And it's like you're you're making the argument. I don't know. It just felt a yeah. It just doesn't need it. Uh, there's a line in the book uh, that uh, this isn't really better in the book. Some of the stuff that's in better in the book is just stuff I wanted to talk about that I didn't really have anywhere else to put it, and it made me laugh reading the book. Uh, but there's a line where the, the when when the drunk girl sh- or drugged girl shows up in the beginning and is trying to talk to <laughs> to Mike Shane. The line in the book is he gave first aid by slapping her hard on the cheek. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of story. <laughs> and then he shakes her. He literally slaps her God. and then shakes her to like try to get her to be coherent. I was like, incredible, fantastic. Um, but then right after that, I thought this is a couple really in- enjoyable scenes. One of them is he, um, Tim Rourke, and a uh, a detective show up, like a police officer mm-hmm. show up, and because they got a call. Because whoever dropped the or whoever knew the girl was going to be there called the police to try to like frame her or whatever, and so they show up, and uh, he pretends dead at this point. No, she's alive at this point. Um, shit. No, she is. Now I can't remember because at some point during ruined everything. It's fine. No, no, it's fine. It's at some point during the sequence she Mm -hmm. gets killed, but I can't remember if she's. I think she's dead at this point. I think. No, she is. She is. She is because. He realizes she's dead and then because I think she gets killed when he goes to like see his wife off on the trip. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when he gets back, she's, she's dead. dead. And then these guys show up, uh, which is Tim Rourke, the reporter who kind of is like his buddy and then a, a, a police officer, like a captain. Um, and they come to talk to him because they got a tip or whatever. And then he um, he has faked her as being drunk and passed out. He's like he's like put her in bed and made her look like she's asleep mm-hmm. and like passed out in his bed and is like. He drank a bunch and or drank a little bit and then spilled liquor all over himself and is acting drunk. And so he has this whole scene where he pretends that he's like wasted and the girl is wasted and passed out so that when these two people show up, um, he can like 
pass this off and like they don't realize that she's dead or specifically the police don't realize she's dead so that he can try to figure out what is going on. Um, but it's very interesting because he he literally um, pretends to be super wasted and then pretends that he's like having an affair with his yeah. wife. And the police captain is really mad at him because he likes his wife. And like he's like, how you fucking piece of shit? Like, how would you cheat on your wife? Um, but he like does this whole thing just so that he can get the police captain out of there so that he can try to sort this all out. I just thought it was an interesting yeah, scene. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, during that interaction at one point, there's this great line where the, the I say great, whatever, it's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> Tim Rourke unironically calls uh, some women floozies, nice. which just made me laugh because floozy, it's just <laughs> incredible. But then right after that, uh, the detective leaves, or the police guy leaves, and he he immediately like confesses. He talks to Tim Rourke, and because Tim sticks around, and he's like, "Oh my god, dude, there's a fucking body." He like yeah. breaks everything and explains what's going on to Tim, because him and Tim are like friends. Uh, and then right after that, um, he gets another knock on the door, and it's a different police officer with um, Bert Stallings, who is the Harlan Dexter character. Mm. They are there for a different reason. I can't remember why. And then for this one, he has Tim go hide in a room. And he's talking to them. And for this one, he doesn't know why they're there. And so he's like, does this really long, interesting, like slow play of like trying to suss out because they're not really saying why they're there, mm -hmm. but he doesn't know why they're there. So there's this big, like long chess match, although it's kind of a one sided chess match because they don't know that he doesn't know. But he's, <laughs> it's this whole thing where he's they have this whole conversation because Burp Stallings, there's this whole side plot. There's this whole political thing, which I'll talk about and better in the movie than I'm glad they dropped from the movie where Burt Stallings is running for mayor, mm -hmm. the Harlan Dexter equivalent running for mayor. Uh, and there's this other guy named Jim Marsh who is also running for mayor. Mike Shane is backing Jim Marsh. Ah, okay. Burt Stallings is his competitor. Yeah. And he's being backed by, um, this other cop guy. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Um, who's with him. And so there's this extra layer of like, political uh -huh. nonsense going on with all of this mm -hmm. but he doesn't know why they're there so he does this big long slow play of like trying to figure out what they know because he thinks maybe because he knows at this point that the girl is helen stallings who is the stepdaughter of this stallings guy but he doesn't know if they know that she was there he doesn't know what they know so this is the whole big thing of like trying to figure trying out, to figure what, out they what they know and what's going on and why are they here that i just thought was really interesting anyways it's all very fun after that all plays goes down, they got to get rid of the body. So he has Tim go get a rental car. And the, the company <laughs> that he gets a rental car from is called You Drive It, which I just thought was funny. I don't know if that was a real company back in the day, but uh, I hope so. I mentioned it earlier, but the thing that is not in the movie that is in this book, and they drink quite a bit in the movie, but in this book, they drink constantly. I cannot stress <laughs> enough how much the characters in this book drink. This scene, this whole story takes place over the course of like two or three days tops. And every single scene, they are drinking hard liquor, like a <laughs> lot of it, like every scene. Like there's not a scene that goes by in this book where they're not grabbing a bottle of, of rye or cognac or and specifically Mike Shane drinks cognac like constantly. It's every scene they're just drinking and drinking and i'm like and they don't even sleep i'm like what how are you how do you even exist i don't even understand how he functions as a human being and then it's so funny at the end they talk about 
there's this line where uh, Mike Shane, he is, he's at one point he, he has his whole, he, he, he has his big Columbo moment and then mm-hmm. it ends up being wrong. And, and then he has to escape from them. And then he, after he gets away, he ends up at Tim Rourke's apartment and he's, he gets drunk. And then Tim shows back up and Tim is like, Oh, you're drunk. And he's like, yeah, you know, like I'm in, I'm in it or whatever. And Tim's like, well, that's good. Cause you know, maybe you can actually figure things out now. Cause you work best drunk or something like that. And I'm like, he's been drinking the entire, <laughs> I cannot stress enough that every page of this book basically talks about how much they're drinking, which is nonstop. It's every scene, every scene they are drinking. I it's insane. Um, but anyways, I, I they would I Mike Shane definitely died of liver failure at like forty. <laughs> there's just no way. There's no way. Uh, but speaking of, there's a scene in the in the book that I enjoyed where he has to go to this nightclub. He gets a lead about talking to some mobster who's a character who's not in the movie named Bugler, um, who's like a mobster guy who um, supposedly the daughter has been like hanging out with, mm-hmm. uh, and that ends up being a whole separate thing. Um, that's very complicated to explain, but he's, this is mobster and he goes to like talk to this guy, but when he gets there, there's these two, these are the two muscle guys, donk and some other guy and they won't let him in cause they know who he is and stuff. So they, they beat him up. Mm-hmm. They take him out to the beach and they like beat the shit out of him. Uh, and he tries to beat him up, but he fails because donk is like this gigantic, like muscle. I mean, know. his name is donk. Yes. Uh, beat just beat the absolute living shit out of him and he like passes out on the beach uh-huh. from getting his just his face caved in <laughs> but then he he wakes up he staggers back to his car like later that night staggers back to his car opens his glove box pulls a bottle of con cognac out of it <laughs> drinks the whole thing and the last line of the chapter is he still hadn't talked to Arch Bugler yet. And he goes right back to the club to go right, try to talk to him again and has to like fight these guys. It's it's, it's just it, that uh, cracked me up. He just gets his, his face caved in, drinks a bottle of cognac and immediately goes back to try to it's like, I hadn't, I'm not done. I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> I'm not done yet. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, we get a title drop in the book, which was fun. I wasn't expecting that. At one point, because the body keeps disappearing and showing up mm-hmm. like kind of randomly. And and at one point, Rourke uh, wonders aloud to, to Mike Shane. He's like, I wonder where her body will turn up next. And Shane responds by saying, bodies are where you find them. <laughs> yeah, uh, title drop. Uh, another great line from the book. At one point, he goes to Stallings' estate. Again, Stallings is the Harlan Dexter stand-in. He has a big, fancy mansion on, like, an island in Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he goes to this big mansion um, to try to get some information. And uh, he is... Because essentially, also in this one, Stallings, like, kind of hires him to try to find his daughter, like, as, Mm. like, kind of a ploy, basically. Um, So he goes there to try to get some information. And... um, he he ends up running into he encounters the lady who like runs the house. She's not the mate. She's like yeah. the I don't know what the term is, yeah. like caretaker or something. And we're introduced to her with this line. She opens the door and he is greeted by quote a big bosomed militant female challenged him with a coldly suspicious gaze. End quote. Which is just great. I love that. As I mentioned, there is kind of a rug pull where Shane thinks he solves it. 
mm-hmm. and he like does the big Columbo moment where he goes and he gets them all and he gets the cops there and he's like, actually, the body in the morgue is not Helen Stallings. It's this other girl. Um, and we can prove that because Helen, there's a whole subplot where Helen Stallings, who is the daughter character in this one, um, or stepdaughter in the book's instance, she ended up marrying some side character who's not in the book at all or not in the movie at all. Um, like secretly got married to some other guy and that there's this whole thing with like a legal dispute over the estate of her mom and her being married would cause issues with her getting her mom's estate. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. complicated and I can't explain the whole thing. Point being, there's this guy uh, named Marlo who was married to Helen, who is the daughter. Um, and uh, Shane has this plan. He's like, look, that's not, they, they, they did a fake. They did a body swap. They didn't kill Helen Stallings. Helen Stallings is being held in the mental institution. This is some other woman that they killed that this is another woman that they used to, to drop the lawsuit and then killed. Mm. And that, and and that's kind of true, but not the whole truth. And so he, but his plan is we'll take Marlo to the morgue and he'll be able to tell you that's not my wife that I married because he knows her. And they get there and Marlo's like, no, that's her. And he like loses his shit. And they're like, no, he's not. Act-. And it's clear that he's not acting. And we, this is when we find out that she is actually dead. Um, and they ended up just killing both of them, which is the same thing in the movie. Yeah. Um, when they killed the pink hair girl was doing the same thing. The pink right. hair girl is the equivalent of she's the stand in for the right. daughter, basically. Um, it, again, it all plays out slightly different in the book, but very similar. But he so we have this big moment where he thinks he solved everything. Uh, but then it turns out, oh, he did not have it all figured out. And he has to like, he like literally jumps out the window of the morgue and runs away. <laughs> and this is the, that's when he steals the, he steals the UPS truck, uh, and has to like escape, um, which I thought was fun. And then my last better in the book note was that he, um, Tim Rourke after that whole thing where he gets his plan blows up in his face, uh, and he's now wanted for murder. Cause they think he, ki- they think he killed her cause she was dead in his apartment. Um, uh, Tim Rourke writes an article about Shane uh, and about him being wanted for mor- murder, but there's this kind of details about how he he writes it in a way because he's friends with Shane and he knows that he's not guilty. He like writes it in a very specific way to kind of like cast doubt in the mind of the. I just thought it was in, to like cast mm-hmm. doubt in the mind of the reader on whether or not Shane is guilty and that kind of thing, which just sounded kind of interesting. Um, but it's not it's not that important. But whatever. All right, let's go ahead and talk about what I thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Uh, I mentioned earlier, but I really like the backstory of Harry and Harmony having known each other as children um, and also that kind of setting up. I, I forgot the detail of after, like, she pretends to be getting cut in half and then her dad comes up and, like, yeah. it cuts with him, like, about to hit her, like, kind of subtly setting up that he's abusive. Um, not just in that way. But uh, anyways, I thought that I, I like that backstory. Uh, I absolutely adore the whole scene where he runs from the cops and ends up in the audition and he's like freaking out because his partner just got shot. And then the audition is about <laughs> his partner getting killed and he just like yeah. is great. And I love that. Scene. Yeah, the whole, the whole conceit of how he ends up in L.A. I thought was great. Yes, it's so much fun. It's so silly, but it's it's fantastic. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but I think the movie makes a lot of sense to just drop the politics plot line where the. Mm-hmm two people are running from mayor and it's 
they're tied up. It's just too much. I think it's fine in the book, but in this movie with everything else going, I'm more interested in the the backstory with like Harry and Harmony and stuff, and the the whole plot of him being an actor and all this sort of stuff is more interesting. I didn't need the the politics plot, um, and and even in the book, it feels a bit like an afterthought, uh, and it's really primarily there to motivate Shane to actually take the case because mm-hmm. otherwise he might have like if if this woman showed up and he didn't and it didn't wasn't tied to this political case that he's like involved or this political race that he's involved in, he probably just wouldn't have done yeah. it but the book needed a like a, a, a very concrete reason for him to need to get involved in this um because again she tells him that she has information about stallings that could potentially influence the election so now he needs to be involved because he needs he wants specifically he wants jim marsh to win because stallings is going to like revoke his pi mm-hmm whatever like he's gonna lose his job essentially if stallings wins Uh, so he needs marsh to win so that's his personal stakes in it it's fine but it just it's not really necessary in the movie i prefer the backstory with robert downey jr and everything and why he's involved i just think is more interesting uh i really love this line in the movie it's just like a throwaway line but i thought it was very funny when he's at the la party and the woman asks what he does and he says i i'm retired i invented dice when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) it's just a very funny line to me (laughs) Uh, I like that when we set up that he's like reunites with Harmony and they're like hitting it off. Um, but then and then he we cut to the next morning and he wakes up in bed and the camera rolls over and reveals that he's with he was in bed with her friend. I just yeah. thought that was very funny. <laughs> like again, lots of little character details. He's a self sabotaging asshole with very little kind of you know exposition. I really like the scene where Perry like leads uh, Harry on about the woman that hired him when they go on that thing, the reconnaissance mission at the lake. And uh, Harry's like, oh, so like, oh, a woman hired you. Like when you got there, was she like, was she did she come on to you? And, and Perry's like, yeah, she had nothing on but the radio. And then she <laughs> called me in and she sat on my lap and he's like, no, you fucking idiot. She called me on the phone and paid me with a credit card. He's like, I just love that. He like leads on like the again, it feels a little bit like a, a shot at the, the you know, the kind of story that this right. book is that yeah. kind of traditional ridiculous she strode into my office with yes. legs as yes. long as, exactly. as her list of problems. Exactly. And I love that he sets it up like that and then just uh, pulls it right out from under him it's very funny um i love the callback of harry trying to correct perry's grammar and then perry perry being like what badly is an adverb who taught you grammar (laughs) and that's a classic uh the the cohen brothers do that a lot where characters will hear uh especially protagonists like this happens in the big lebowski a lot where the where he will hear a different character say something that he knows is like smart mm-hmm. and so then he'll try to do it later like it's kind yeah. of copy it and like use it like as his own thing and again it just tells us a lot about the kind of person that that harry is just kind of like a fast talker smooth talker who's kind of like absorbs shit without really understanding it and just kind of like tries to repeat it but i love that line who taught you grammar uh the scene where the sp- uh, after a bunch of stuff happens but where harmony's laying in bed and the, the spider crawls like into her bra yeah and, and he, harry does not know what to do and he's like <laughs> yeah. flicking and he's like ah because he just <laughs> freaks out and doesn't know what to do i love that i think it's very funny i as she was very calm this is though, true for someone who found a piece of spider in her bra because she finds like a leg yeah and she's like oh you're you're like, lying looks down at it is like oh you're you were being honest or something and i i would be stripping and crying (laughs) yeah (laughs) like where's the rest of that spider yeah 
no nightmare absolutely uh i love the little at the end when he gets shot uh and then he he comes down to harmony um the bullet goes through perry hits him he comes down to harmony and she's like oh you've been shot and he goes actually look and he pulls the johnny gossamer book out that yeah. he had in his like lapel or whatever and she's like oh it's stopped which is like the classic this kind of thing yes. where like some token of affection or whatever stops the bullet she's like oh it stopped the bullet and then she holds it and sticks her finger all the way through <laughs> it and he's like Oh, not really. <laughs> He's just got a bullet hole yeah. in him. I love that. I, yeah, I thought that that particular um, fake out, yeah. I really liked. It's I really thought good. that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene in the book that the movie completely drops where Shane, at, oop, after Shane's um, big reveal and like theory, like blows up in his face and he's on, he's on, he's on the lamb essentially. He goes down to a, the, the, the harbor, like mm-hmm. the bay at Biscayne Bay in Miami uh, and he needs to get to the other side of the bay, so he 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 runs into he finds this this black guy. Book does not like use a, that word. Like a dock worker. Yeah, no, no, a fisherman. There's like oh, a guy, okay. like a guy, like out, like yeah, yeah. fishing, like okay, just hanging yeah, out. Yeah. Um, the the to be clear, the book does not use the n word. It uses um the n word, but like the socially the, acceptable n word of yes, non slur one, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, point being, he he goes down there and talks to him, and he has this whole conversation with this guy, and and he he actually like code switches, like so the 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 the, the character in the book has a very pronounced accent, mm-hmm. um, as written in the book, and Perry or uh, not Perry, um, Mike Shane like code switches and starts like kind of doing <laughs> okay like a voice. Yeah. I, I say a voice. I don't know. He's doing some slang and stuff that uh-huh. that is very much. It feels rough, but also I don't know. I don't. I don't. Not sure. I have the historical. I don't know. It just. I'm glad. I. I. I think the movie is better for not having included <laughs> something similar to this scene. The last thing I had that is a line from the movie that I really enjoyed, and again, that felt like some of you know the movie is really up and down in whether how progressive it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought there's uh, as they're walking through the hospital when um, Perry is recovering after he gets shot. Uh, he has some, I don't remember the context of this, um, but they're, they're talking about something and uh, Harry says something about like women wearing or men wearing dresses or yeah. so, something like that. And Perry says to him, that's cross-dressing you idiot. Half of those guys are straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was, you know, again, I, the movie like kind of, you know, pointing out like, look, it's not <laughs> basically saying like, it's not, it's not as black and white as like yeah. that, which yeah. I thought was, you know, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a handful of things to talk about in the movie. Nailed it. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, so again, the main thing that I mentioned, the general conspiracy murder plot, pretty similar. Uh, the nuts and bolts of like the, the plot are, mm-hmm. are fairly similar. Uh, I think in both the book and the movie, the, the body, the woman, she's wearing like a blue silk dress, which is like a very specific mm. detail mm-hmm. that they mentioned. Um, and she is in the movie as well. Uh, there's a mention in the books or that so Lu, the when he goes and talks to um one of the maids at uh the Stallings estate he like she like sneaks out to talk to him to like give him some information and she mentions that Stallings would look at Helen who is his stepdaughter lustfully uh and 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 in the book <laughs> Shane is like Ah, it's fine. He's her stepdaughter. Like, it's not that mm. weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. But I think this may be where the movie pulled the kind of the incest plot line from yeah. is this particular exchange. 
because I think that inspired. So like the the whole plot in the in the movie is that Harmony's sister um, was abused as a child by her actual father, and so Harmony told her that her real that wasn't her real dad. Her real dad is this famous actor from uh, the Johnny Gossamer movie or whatever. And then um, when she goes to find him, she sees him like canoodling with the woman who is pretending to be his daughter yeah. but she doesn't realize he's pretending to be her da- his daughter so thinks it's actually his daughter and it becomes a whole thing blah 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 um i have mixed feelings on this whole plot as well i like the mi- i like the the fact that it's a mystery that isn't really a mystery like the mm-hmm. i i do like that in mystery sometimes where like this in a plot where all of these crazy things are happening and all these mysterious things are happening this one thread of it is kind of simple that it is just, Oh no, she actually did just kill herself because of, you know, like it is what the, the thing you thought it was, is what it was. There isn't really like these extra layers going on. The mm-hmm. explanation for it is a little more complicated, but there isn't like some grand conspiracy. I, I tend to like that kind of storytelling element in a, in a mystery sometimes in this particular one. I, I don't know. I, I, having it just be like she saw a guy who she thought was her dad being incestuous after her dad was incestuous. And that is why she kills herself is like, just not my favorite. Like, yeah, it's plot line. Not great. Yeah. It's not my favorite plot line. So it's, I think there's problems there, but it's, I don't know. So yeah, again, I think the point, whole point of this being that the movie, I think pulled that specific element of the plot from mm-hmm. the book, like, like a, a, a just like one brief uh, line from the book. And then finally, the movie does nail uh, problematic opinions on women. It's very different. <laughs> so the book is from the 40s or whatever, and it's so it's obviously awful. Right. Um, but the way it's awful is that women just don't really matter at all. They're just like, again, yeah. they're just like kind of there to serve the men, whatever the men are doing, basically. Um, but I would argue that the movie also has some kind of fair, fairly problematic opinions about women that are voiced by Harry in a way that I feel are both simultaneously supposed to be like true, but also like he's a dick. Yeah. So like, I, I do feel like that is ultimately what the movie is saying yes. with some of his opinions. Like it's true, but he shouldn't say it. He shouldn't say it. Like he's a dick for saying it. And like, we're not supposed to like him for saying it, but also, He's secretly yeah. telling the truth, kind of, is what it feels like. And and you said it earlier, like, he's a nice guy. That This movie yeah. suffers big time from kind of, like, nice guy yes. energy of, like, where, yes, where where he is a nice guy. He, he you know, and, and it fluctuates back and forth between, like, I think some good moments and some bad moments. Like, the moment where he... Like where he stands up for her and he like he like tries to stop that guy from from like touching or whatever. Obviously, that's not like a big thing, but it's like, what? Okay, fine. But then like immediately after that, having her go home with that guy Mm -hmm. feels like the movie being like, well, see, actually, women are dumb. Like and they they will go home with that kind of guy, even, you know, even if you try to tell him that he's a, you know, you try to help them. Even though you're here and you're like a nice guy guy who tried to defend them. Now, look, look, they're still going home with the asshole. And then uh, the the scene later where uh, with the spider again, or kind of on the flip side of that, the scene with the spider, I actually think it's kind of interesting when um, he like touches her boob and she's like, Oh, Oh, did you just grab my boob? And he's like, no, I, I well, there was a spider and blah, blah. And then she's like, when she finds the spider, she's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's fine. Like, Oh, there was a spider. 
and he's like her, no she says oh it's not that big of a deal she's like oh you grab my boob it's fine like it's whatever yeah. and he's like like that's not like i think there's kind of something positive and negative in the scene of him being like no it's a big deal you shouldn't just like brush off the fact that somebody like molested you you know what right. i mean like if you thought i actually like groped you you shouldn't just like yeah eh, who cares it but also that's mixed with like a weird protection of her purity yeah. that like it's all well and like, i and correct me if i'm wrong but i think in that scene too he like immediately follows it up by being like is this the kind of guy that you yes, associate exactly. with like immediately yeah. goes directly into victim yes, blaming exactly it, and 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 that's the movie fluctuates through that a lot and yeah. it, it it where it's it, it it kind of combines somewhat like progressive ideas about like that stuff mixed with very much like the nice guy mm-hmm. shitty yeah yeah that i'm such a nice guy yeah why doesn't she why want do me i'm so, so nice such assholes. a nice guy yeah this whole rant about women in la being like damaged goods and stuff and again yeah. you're I, you're not supposed to like him in the moment but you are supposed to be like but actually, but actually probably he's probably great yeah and again um, it's uh, yeah also a hell of a thing to say to somebody that you know was like abused <laughs> as a kid yes yeah yeah well actually i don't know if it's implied that she was to be fair well she was hit i guess yeah but, like i don't know if she. I, I felt like it was implied that she probably okay i mean pr- probably yes like yeah pretty pretty unlikely i think that yes. she was not i i would agree i would agree i i don't know if the movie ever explicitly says it but i i i think you're right that it is it's definitely the implication um but yeah Anyways, that's what I have for the movie nailed it, plus a bunch of other stuff that we already talked about in the earlier stuff. So let's get to a few odds and ends before the final verdict. So the movie opened up, and uh, after that little intro, when they get to the L.A. party, I was like, hey, it is Christmas. Yeah. So it is. It absolutely is Christmas. <laughs> I Yeah, uh, it is and then she, because then what's her name runs around in a, a, a Santa costume yes. for half of the movie because yeah. she's working at a party where she's wearing like a go-go Santa outfit. Uh, there is a little thing in the book that I thought was really funny. They go to a hotel at one point, and mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I misinterpreted this or whatever, but Mike Shane meets what he calls the house detective, and I was like, wait, does this hotel? have like its own private <laughs> they eye have a, they have a pi on yeah on like like you have like a retainer. chauffeur and like uh, a mater d or whatever <laughs> and a pi i guess like it's just very strange i don't know if that's what that meant or what but that's what it seemed like to me was that yeah, the, this hotel had a house detective if you know anything about house detectives if that was a thing let me know uh the other thing that i noted right away in this movie was that the uh the casting agent who quote unquote discovers yes. Harry uh, is the dad from 10 things I hate about you. Yes, he is. Which is yeah. a movie that I love and adore <laughs> with every fiber of my being. Yeah. He's barely in this movie. Yes, he he's is. in like the very beginning and that's about um, it. But yeah. He plays a very different character uh, <laughs> yeah. than in 10 things I hate about you. Um, so we, we didn't really talk about the Johnny Gossamer books yeah. throughout this episode, but there is kind of a recurring thing um, that particularly Harmony, but also to some extent, Harry. Yeah. Um, when they were kids together, they read Johnny Gossamer books, which yeah. are like this series of hard boiled detective novels. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice like nod to 
the Michael Shane series. Yes, yeah. no, they're absolutely the the Michael Shane books of this universe. And, and, mm-hmm. and in fact, one of the books is what this movie was going to be called at one point. I can't remember. One of the books she's reading in the movie was like the I it's I was talked about it in the prequel episode. But one yeah. of the books she was reading was going to be the was title, like the of, original title, yeah, whatever it was. I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, I remember talking about that, but I don't remember yeah. what the title was. But yeah, no, that's definitely are in that. Like the, all the the cover art and stuff is very similar to the. Yeah. Very much inspired by the cover art from this, but yeah, uh, one of I think it's Mister Frying Pan or Mister whichever one of the two henchmen guys, the the guy who doesn't get killed. Well, I guess he does get killed. This is the, the guy who gets killed by the like food cart guy. Yes, the guy who yeah. gets killed by the food cart guy. Uh, we only see his face like once in this movie, but he looks so much like Angel, like David Boreanaz, <laughs> like Angel from Buffy. I it fucking killed me when he we we pops up and we see his face at one time i was like angel <laughs> what are you doing here bud it was very strange uh my last note here that i noticed and this was driving me absolutely insane in this scene so when perry is tailing the pink-haired girl in the park they're they're walking through the park and they're like the only two people in the park at night. And he's tailing yes. her from like 10 feet behind terrible her. Terrible job. Like, first of all, you're doing a terrible job. Yeah. Secondly, you should have known that this was a setup because literally any woman would have been extremely aware <laughs> yes. of him in yes. that moment. Yes. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. I don't know if you noticed this. I thought this was funny. I, I didn't realize this, and I was just scrolling through the credits, and I saw it. the pink-haired girl uh, is... I thought she looked vaguely familiar, but then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's the um, she's Lady Jocelyn from A Knight's Tale, like the hmm. love interest Yeah, in yeah, Knight's yeah, Tale. Yeah, I did not notice that. Yeah. She looks very different it's very interesting than she, she does in A Knight's Tale. I don't know what happened. Like, a Knight's, she's like the lead in A Knight's Tale, and then she's yeah. like a very bit part in this movie, like, yeah, like a year know. or two later. Very, it's interesting. I don't know, it's very strange. Um, but anyways... Hmm. That's a movie I have mixed feelings on. Oh, A Night's Tale? Yeah. I haven't seen it since, like, high school. So I... It's it's one of those movies that, like, I want to really, really like it. I feel like I should. Yeah. And I don't dislike it, but I also don't really like it. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to do that for a bonus episode sometime. Yeah, I... but maybe I should give it a rewatch. Yeah, because it's, I... it's been a few years. I remember almost nothing about it. I've seen it, like, once or twice, like, forever ago. But um, it's one of those that I think people like. Generally, yeah. like I think people enjoy it. I don't yeah. know. I could be wrong. I think it got kind of a cult classic type. Yeah, that's what like I mean. Had yeah. some delayed success. Yeah, I don't think. I think critically, it was not. It did not yeah. do well. But I, I think, think it was one of those that like, kind of like the correct. mummy or whatever that people yeah. just kind of like. Uh, let let us know if you want a, a bonus episode on, <laughs> on Patreon a on a yeah. Night's Tale. Yep. Uh, before we wrap up, we wanted to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads. Drop us a little uh, like or subscribe or whatever so we can hear your opinions on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, you can also do us a favor by heading over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to us and write us a nice little five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. Or if you want to support us the most, you can head over to patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. Give us uh, a few bucks a month. At the $5 a month level, you get access to bonus content. We just released an episode on The Menu. If you want to hear what we had to say about The Menu, that episode is out now. Uh, and We'll be doing another episode next month, or yeah, in December for mm-hmm. our bonus episode. Uh, and at the $15 and up level, you get access to priority recommendations, where uh, if they, you have something that you would really like for us to hear, uh, really like for us to talk about, Support us for 15 bucks a month. Send us that recommendation. We will get to it, uh, you know, pretty quickly. 
This was a patron request from... This was a request from Ian from Wine Country. There you go, Ian from Wine Country. Thank you very much for your support, and thank you for suggesting Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's time for my final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. I actually quite enjoyed Bodies Are Where You Find Them. It's a fun little mystery novel that moves along at a great pace and has some fun twists and turns that keep you on your toes. It is absolutely a relic of its time and is just chock full of misogyny. But if you can get past those things, it's a pretty enjoyable and quick read. The fun thing is that that description can pretty much be applied to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang without edit. The movie is very much a relic of its time, and that's what has aged most poorly about it. The film's misogyny is tempered somewhat by actually giving us an interesting and self-possessed female lead, and its fourth-wall-breaking meta-commentary is charming enough to be excused, despite causing me to roll my eyes quite a few times throughout the runtime. What the movie really brings to the table, though, is humor. This movie has a ton of legitimately laugh-out-loud moments. When the movie isn't getting in its own way trying to be too clever, it absolutely kills, and the mystery puzzle pieces fall into place in a very satisfying manner. And that's what it comes down to for me. This book is good pretty much exclusively for the mystery. The movie is good for the mystery and because it's hilarious. And so for that reason, I have to give this one to the film. Katie, what's next? Up next, uh, we are heading over to the land of animation, and we are going to talk about 101 Dalmatians, a book by Dodie Smith and the 1961 film. This is one of those Disney movies that I only watched like once. I I actually quite like this one. I, I enjoy the art style. It's very unique, in my opinion. Um, I've never read the book, and I honestly mostly kind of want to read it so that I can read the sequel, because I've heard the sequel to 101 Dalmatians is absolutely batshit insane. Sweet. All right, well, that'll be our next episode in two weeks' time. We'll be talking about 101 Dalmatians, and in one week's time, we'll be previewing that and seeing what you all had to say about Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, until that time. Guys, gals, my minor pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books, watching movies, and keep being awesome.